الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين امنوا اشد حبا لله وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ثلاث من كن فيه وجد بهن حلاوة الإيمان من كان الله ورسوله أحب إليه مما سواهما وأن يحب المرأة لا يحبه إلا لله وأن يكره أن يعود في الكفر بعد أن أنقذه الله منه كما يكره أن يلقى في النار أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم موسس بكتر نمائي كرام برادز أنالدز the very concise and very short hadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that was recited like many other hadith many other mubarak sayings of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam this is also one of those hadith which the words are very very few but contained in it are oceans of knowledge and a complete guidance for a person of how to get closer to allah taala In this hadith sharif nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says thalathun man kunna fihi wajada bihinna halawat al-iman there are three things that if a person acquires these three aspects then by means of acquiring these three aspects he will acquire the sweetness of iman so the sweetness of iman the very word sweetness already brings a certain meaning to mind it brings a certain thought about what something like something that tastes sweet something that feels good so some scholars are of the view that this sweetness of iman is something that refers to aspects that are experienced in terms of amal and the explanation that they give that the meaning of the sweetness of iman one is istilzazu ta'at that when a person has acquired the sweetness of iman what he will actually acquire is the enjoyment of ibadat what is a person performing his salah he is performing it in a way that he is just trying to get done with it it's like a kind of burden for him he understands that it's an obligation he should do it he must do it he won't discard his salah he won't miss it without any valid reason but with all that it is something he wants to just get done with and when he is over with it he feels well fine this is done that's one way and one type of person that performs his salah and there's another person who when the time of salah gets closer he is already getting more eager let alone the first salah he is awaiting that when will it be tahajjud time so he can wake up once again and stand up in front of allah taala as one poet explains this in one little couplet that wada milne ka shab e akhir mein hai subah se intezar e sham hai says that the time of appointment of meeting is in the last part of the night in other words the appointment with allah taala appointment of allah taala in the sense that to stand up in the dead of night 
and worship Allah Ta'ala. So that appointed time is actually at the end of the night. But this is such a thing that the person is so eager for. Subah se intizar sham hai. From the morning he is waiting for the night to come. Now somebody might wonder that how can this be possible from the morning the person is waiting for the night because he's going to be waking up in the middle of the night and making ibadat in front of Allah Ta'ala. So any person who has something that he's really looking forward to, if somebody knows tonight is his nikah, so he would have been waiting from yesterday morning, later on this morning. So that is something that is very, very, has taken his heart, it's something that he's looking forward to. So therefore, the morning becomes too long. The afternoon just doesn't seem to finish off. And the night doesn't seem to come. It just becomes so, every minute is dragging. He can't wait for it to pass. So when this becomes the condition of a person, that let alone his faraiz, he's waiting for the time of the nawafin. Then what can be said about how he will go about taking care of his faraiz? So this is the aspect of istilzazu ta'at. There will be some person who the night just comes out before he knows it is close to Fajr time. But what was he engaged in? He was engaged in either reading some novel, he was engaged in watching something on his phone, Allah forbid, sometimes the worst of things he's engaged in, cutting the night through. And before he knows it, the time has passed, it's almost Fajr time. And many a person then sleeps through Fajr and wakes up late for everything else. And then the cycle carries on until a time when he starts losing his mind because of the lack of sleep on the one side and because of the constant bombardment of all the filth in his heart and mind. Heart and mind. So one person passes his night in this way. And if you ask that same person to recite, just let alone recite half para of the Qur'an Sharif, recite some portion of the Qur'an Sharif as tilawat, even to just recite some of the du'as before going to bed, that becomes too much for him. To recite tasbih fatimi in one hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu the hadith, he gave this tasbih fatimi to Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala and Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala that recite this 33 times subhanallah, 33 times alhamdulillah, 34 times Allahu Akbar before going off to sleep. When you get to bed, first recite this, then you go to sleep. Nabi sallallahu said that this is better for you than a servant also. Hazrat Fatima had come to request some help by means of a servant, slave. Nabi Islam gave her this in return. And she took it wholeheartedly. Ali radiallahu says that from that day that Rasulullah gave us this great gift, there hasn't been a single night, now he's talking about in the time of his khilafat. So this was in the time of Rasulullah that they were given this prescription. He's talking about 50 years later. 30, 45, 30, 45, 50 years later. And he's saying that there hasn't been a single day that has passed, single night that I've missed this out. So one of the students asked him, not even on that night of Sifin, when there was a battle, on that night you were the commander-in-chief, and you had all this whole weight on your shoulders. On that night too, when you took that small nap, you didn't forget on that night also? He said, not even on that night. Now this is how they held on to this. And these amal, how they were attached to it. So now, let alone recite the Qur'an Sharif, we don't even manage to then recite even these great tasbihat, such great benefits, such great rewards and benefits for our physical self also. 
So one person can't even get to do this. And then there's the other person, he can't stop reciting the Qur'an Sharif. It becomes an effort to close the Qur'an Sharif. Like that Sahabi of Rasulullah wasallam, he is standing guard and he is busy in his Salah and reciting Surah Al-Kahf and then suddenly the enemy spot him from a distance and an arrow is shot at him. And the arrow hits him. And he is injured. But he still doesn't have the heart to terminate the Salah because he is so engrossed in the recitation of the Qur'an Sharif. So it's still Zazu Ta'at. That when a person has acquired the sweetness of Iman, what he's going to acquire is the sweetness of Ibadat. This enjoyment in his Ibadat. Because when the person has <coughs> acquired this, he would obviously acquire it by means of giving up the Haram. When he has forsaken Haram pleasure for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala then replaces that with Halal pleasure for him. With true sweetness. With the sweetness of Ibadat. So this is the first thing. Istilzazu ta'at. Then the person who has tasted the sweetness of Iman, what will be the case with him? That this means tahammulul mashaq fi mardatillah. That he will be ready to undertake any difficulty that may come in the way of pleasing Allah Ta'ala. Difficulty, one is difficulty in as we sometimes becomes very difficult to get out of that bed for that time. To answer the call of the Muslim at that time, to get to the masjid if it's the very early summer fajr or the cold morning of winter, now it just becomes a challenge for a person. But the person who has the sweetness of iman, that becomes a very, very easy thing for him. He is ready to undertake that challenge, that difficulty, that difficulty not just becomes easy for him, becomes a pleasure for him. So, tahammulul mashaq fi mardatillah. He is ready to undertake whatever it comes, whether in fulfilling his ibadat, whether in staying away from what Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. His nafs seems to be almost strangling him. And if you don't look in this direction of haram, then perhaps you'll die. That's the feeling he's getting inside him. So now that nafs is prompting him to cast that lustful glance, to look in the direction of that woman passing, or to open that phone and look at that filth on it, or whatever other sin they might be involved, but he is ready to trample that nafs, not give in to that desire. Why? Because this is what will please Allah Ta'ala. Tahammulul mashaq fi mardatillah. Whether it is some external challenge, whether it is the internal challenge, whatever comes in his way, if he has acquired the sweetness of iman, he is ready to take the challenge on. Because if that is what is going to please Allah Ta'ala, he is ready for it. And وَإِثَارُ ذَلِكَ عَلَىٰ عَرَبِ الدُّنْيَا He is ready to give preference to this, to taking the difficulty upon himself for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. Even if he is offered the whole world, he will be giving preference to the command of Allah Ta'ala, to what will please Allah Ta'ala, no matter what difficulty comes upon him. But he will not barter that for anything. Hazrat Abdullah bin Huzafa Sahmi radiallahu ta'ala he is captured by the Romans and together with him 80 of his companions. So in any case, this Roman king, he puts an offer to him, says, look, you give up your iman and I will make you a partner in my kingdom. Now we're talking about a king and his kingdom. So what can a person today claim to own? He has 
this and that and the other, talking about becoming a partner in the kingdom. So he said, I cannot leave my iman for anything. So first this person tries to scare him, he says to his guards, or to his soldiers, take him and tie him to some place and then shoot arrows at him. But just miss him, just get close to him, don't, don't hit him directly. Perhaps this might scare him. So they do this, but it doesn't even change the complexion on his face. It doesn't even change anything in him, he's just as calm as anything. He says, no, this didn't work, nothing happened. So he says, very well, put a cauldron of oil on fire. And now when this oil is boiling hot, they grab one of the captives, Muslim captive, and throw him into that boiling oil of that, that cauldron. And in seconds this person's flesh is out of his bones and he becomes shaheed in that. So now, after having shown him this, he gives the instruction, now take him also and go and throw him into the cauldron. So first he offers again the same thing, he refuses, he says, well take him and throw him in the cauldron. As they take him, he starts to tear. So this message is brought back to the king that he's crying. He thought perhaps now he is crying because he's afraid of meeting death in this way. He's maybe now softened up. He's going to accept the offer that was made to him. So, okay, bring him back. He said, Are you ready for what was offered to you? Why were you crying? So he said, I wasn't crying out of fear of death. I wasn't crying because I'm afraid to now meet my death. I'm ready for that. What I was crying about is that I only have one life to sacrifice in the path of Allah Ta'ala. I'll be thrown in there, that'll be the end of that life. I was wishing that I had life as much as the hair on my body. I would sacrifice each one for Allah Ta'ala. Having heard this, the king was so astonished, he says to him that, okay, I'll make a deal with you. You kiss my forehead, I'll free you. Now this was just for the sake of saying something, so that at the end of the day I won. Just that so that it won't be that, okay, I just let you off free. So he says, no, not for me alone. I'm ready to do it, provide you free all the Muslim captives. He said, okay, everybody. So as Abdullah bin Huzafa kisses his forehead, gets all the captives freed and comes back to Medina Munawwara. And as Umar is informed, he's the Khalifa of the time, that this is what happened. He says, it is my duty now to kiss your forehead. This is what you did in order to save all the Muslim captives. This is now what I will do for you. But the lesson in this, that that kingdom meant nothing for him. Nowadays, for a little bit of worldly material things, for a little bit of wealth, for a little bit of prestige, for a little bit of some position, or whatever the case may be, a person is ready to barter his deen, a person is ready to barter his iman. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. So this is the aspect when the sweetness of Iman comes, he will not barter this for anything. Now this is one explanation of the Muhaddithin, that this is what this Halawatul Iman refers to, the sweetness of Iman. That it actually refers to the sweetness of Amal, the sweetness in Ibadat, and all these other aspects that we discussed. But many scholars explain that this goes without saying. This is definitely there. A person has made this sacrifice to stay away from haram, Allah Ta'ala will definitely give him this halal pleasure. That goes without saying. It is more than that. It is a physical experience. It is something that is not just a figurative thing. It's a physical experience. 
And this is borne out by a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa which is actually a hadith of Qudsi, where Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa quotes Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala says, النَّزْرُ سَحْمٌ مِّن سِحَامِ إِبْلِيسَ مَسْمُومٌ That this haram glance, this lustful glance, looking at haram, this is a poisonous arrow of shaitan. It's a poisonous arrow of shaitan. Not just an arrow, a poisonous arrow. An arrow that is just an arrow might just scrape somebody, he'll get saved. But a poisonous arrow, if it just touches him too, that poison will get him. If the arrow didn't really hurt him, it just touched him also, that poison will kill him. So Nabi Islam is saying that this is a, Allah Ta'ala says, that this is a nazru sahmum min sihami iblisa masmoom. That this haram glance, this lustful glance, is a poisonous arrow of shaitan. Then Allah Ta'ala says, Man tarakaha makhafati. The one who will forsake this as a result of my fear. He is afraid that Allah is watching. What fear is this? This is the fear of love. When a person is deeply attached to somebody, he doesn't want to displease that person. He is deeply attached to his parents. He doesn't do something that will displease them. The husband is deeply attached to his wife. He wants to please all the time. He doesn't do anything that displeases her. So this is that attachment of love with Allah Ta'ala. And he doesn't want to displease Allah Ta'ala in any way. So he's afraid of displeasing Allah Ta'ala. So mantara kaha makhafati, Allah Ta'ala says, the one who forsakes this out of my fear, abdaltu biha imanan yajidu halawatahu fi qalbi. I will give him in place of that such iman that he will taste its sweetness in his heart. It will be a physical experience. Like a person puts something sweet on his tongue, he feels a sweetness. He will feel the sweetness of Iman. So what we understand from all this is, that this is something to be acquired. This is a reality. Unfortunately, many a times, we feel very, very content with just that we have done the bare minimum, we have performed our salah, and we have made some tilawat, parabs. Alhamdulillah, this is all very important, absolutely necessary. But, what is the quality of that? How much has the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala got into this heart of ours? And to what extent has this halawat of iman and the sweetness of iman been acquired? This is something to be acquired. So the thing is, Nabi Islam is saying that who will acquire this sweetness? Nabi Islam says the person has acquired these three aspects. What are these three aspects? All these three aspects pertain to something inside the heart. So these are all sifat. These are all qualities of the heart. These are all aspects that a person has deep down within him. What we learn from this is that what really makes a person is what is inside. What is outside doesn't make the person. If what is inside is in order, then the outside will also have value. There are commands that pertain to the external self, that too is absolutely necessary. But the soul is inside, just like the body. If that soul is missing, this body is of no use. But if this body is functioning and the soul is there, this body is functioning now, now that soul has made this body valuable also. But the real thing is the soul. So likewise, these sifat are inside. And this is what the person needs to keep reflecting upon, making an effort to acquire. So the three things that Nabi Islam says, the first thing is, مَنْ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَحَبَّ إِلَيْهِ مِمَّا سِوَاهُمَا that the one who Allah and his Rasul have become more beloved to him than everyone else. 
everyone else, whether it is his parents, whether it is his children, whether it is his wife, whether it is the husband, whether it is himself. Allah and his Rasul are more beloved to him than everyone else, including himself. And he is ready to sacrifice anything that comes in the way of the muhabbat and the love of Allah and his Rasul The love of his desires, he'll trample. But he won't sacrifice the love of Allah Ta'ala. This love of Allah Ta'ala is such a great thing, such a fundamental thing. That can we imagine Allah's Rasul the most beloved of Allah Ta'ala, and he is still asking and making dua for this love. Allahumma zukni hubbak. Ya Allah, grant me your love. Because there is no limit to this love. It's a never-ending ocean. So Nabi Islam being at the peak of love of Allah Ta'ala that anybody can ever imagine. Nobody can even come to the starting point that Nabi Islam had. But despite that, he is asking. And in this asking, he is teaching us that if Nabi Islam is asking, how much we should be making this dua? MashaAllah, we make dua for many things and dua we should make for everything. Dua for dunya also, halal dunya, we should make dua for that too. Nabi Islam has taught us this in the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala has taught us. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana. But not stopping there. Wa fil akhirati hasana. Wa qina azabanna. Allah grant us the good of dunya, the good of akhirat as well. And save us from the fire of, Jah- from the fire of Jahannam. So even dunya we ask. Our needs of dunya we must ask Allah Ta'ala first. But there are bigger things to ask as well. We are only going to confine our asking to Allah, make my business prosper. Ya Allah, make my home get built. Ya Allah, I need this worldly need. All the worldly needs to be asked from Allah Ta'ala. But is that where we stop? Is there nothing of a higher level than that? It's like that little child, he's all the time only begging for that toy. Now, he's begging for that toy all the time. So he is now three years old, that's what he's looking for. His brother who is 20 years old, he says, this child got no other job in life, all he wants is a small toy he's crying for. He's asking for big things now. He already wants to build his empire. So now he looks at this younger brother of his 3 years old, asking for that toy, and he is feeling so strange about it, that this fellow has made the whole world this one toy. So similarly, we confine all our aspects that we ask Mullah Ta'ala to dunya only. Yes, we should ask our dunya as well, but it's like confining ourselves to those toys. We should be asking for the big things. And among the big things Nabi Islam is teaching us, among the very big things, Allahumma zukni hubbak. Ya Allah, bless me with your love. Can we imagine this dua Nabi Islam is making? Have we made this dua? And this is a dua to be made daily. Allahumma zukni hubbak. Ya Allah, grant me your love. How are we going to get there? وَحُبَّ مَنْ يُحِبُّكَ Allah, grant me the love of those who love you. Subhanallah, what a ajeeb dua this is, that this dua is giving a complete prescription as well. That the love of Allah Ta'ala is something to be acquired. And the method of acquiring it is also being taught in the dua itself. That when a person will associate with those who love Allah Ta'ala, and acquire their love, 
that will lead him to learn how to love Allah Ta'ala and acquire his love. Allah grant me the love of those actions that will bring me closer to your love. This is a dua asking Allah Ta'ala and begging him for his love. So Nabi Islam is saying that the three things that a person, if he achieves this, he will gain this halawat of iman, the sweetness of iman. The first thing, that the love of Allah and his Rasul Wasallam become greater in his heart than the love for anyone else. The love for Rasulullah Wasallam, then this too we find in the lives of the Sahaba Ikram, how they displayed this reality. That they loved Nabi Wasallam more than themselves, more than their fathers, more than their children. Hazrat Abdullah bin Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul, Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul, he was the leader of the Munafiqeen. But his son was a sincere Sahabi. One day the father made a comment which exposed, exposed his nifaq also. And he said, لَإِن رَجَعْنَا إِلَى الْمَدِينَةِ لَيُخْرِجَنَّ الْأَعَزُّ مِنْهَا الْأَذَلُ He made a very nasty comment. That, Let us get back to Madinah Munawwara. Then the respectable among us will get rid of the na'uzubillah, those who are low down. What he was na'uzubillah referring to, that himself as the respectable ones, and the Muslims, and Allah forbid, Nabi Wasallam as the other end. His son heard about this. Others also heard about it, his son heard about it. His son comes to Rasulullah and he says to him, my father made this comment, give me the permission, I will behead him now and bring his head and come. That he has insulted Rasulullah so now that is not something that I can, now let that come between the love of my father and myself. That is beyond. The love for Nabi Islam is above everybody else. This is just one incident of many, many incidents in the lives of Sahaba Ikram where they displayed the reality of love for Rasulullah beyond their lives, their families and everything. They were ready to sacrifice anything and everything for him. So the person who has acquired this, this is the first step to acquiring this halawat of iman. And where will this really show itself? Where there is now a clash. On the one side there is a demand from a person's children, from his wife, demand from his own nafs, which contradicts what Allah Ta'ala is commanding him, which Rasulullah has commanded. Now what does he give preference to? If the love of Allah Ta'ala and his Rasul is greater, he will suppress all this. And if it is the other way around, he will give in to this. And he will put aside the love of Allah and his Rasul their command he will put aside. So this is the first aspect that the B.S. mentions, that the person who has the love for Allah and his Rasul greater than everyone else. Then, Then he loves somebody solely for Allah Ta'ala. There is no other motivation, no other objective, no purpose. Purely he loves somebody but and only but for Allah Ta'ala. And when he has acquired this, he has now acquired the second aspect to gain this halawat and sweetness of iman. Loving somebody solely for Allah Ta'ala, what this refers to? That it is not prompted by any worldly motive, by any haram objective, 
There is nothing illicit involved. It is purely that this is my Muslim brother. This person has Iman in him. He is my neighbor also maybe. Or together with that he is somebody, mashallah, who has some good qualities in him also. So now that adds to it. He is somebody who possesses a lot of, maybe to the extent we know, we can see, mashallah, he has a lot of taqwa in him. He is somebody who is a very punctual musalli. So all this creates that muhabbat. But that muhabbat is solely for Allah Ta'ala. That muhabbat is not based on any worldly motive. What is the sign that this muhabbat is solely for Allah Ta'ala? So Yahya bin Mu'az, rahimahullah, he explains, Allah yazid bil bir. That this will not change because now the person who he loves for Allah Ta'ala has been doing some favors for him. So now he becomes even more closer to him because of the favors. Those favors, it's in his place, he'll be grateful for it, whatever it is. But that won't change this because this is based on purely the love of Allah Ta'ala. It's not based on anything else. And likewise the opposite end, وَلَا يَنْقُسَ jafa. If the person has by chance said something, done something which was a little uncomfortable for him, he made a mistake, whatever it was, we make mistakes also, others make mistakes. That doesn't decrease his love in any way. Because his love is for Allah Ta'ala. So it becomes very easy for him to overlook and forget and forgive all these minor, minor, small, small things that carry on in life and go on. When he loves somebody purely for Allah Ta'ala, what will be the condition regarding his heart for every person that he loves for Allah Ta'ala alone? He will love for that person what he loves for himself. Like in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Salaam says, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يحب لأخيه ما يحب لنفسه That a person is not a believer. This is the way it is expressed. He is not a believer. The person who does not love for his fellow Muslim what he loves for himself. Look at the expression and how it's expressed. It's meant to shock us. Meant to shake us to the core and to make us reflect upon the condition of our hearts. That, that person is not a believer who does not love for his fellow Muslim what he loves for himself. If you ask the muhaddithin, does this mean that he went out of the pale of Islam? They'll say, no, he didn't go out of the pale of Islam. But it is like how a person, he is walking carelessly and now he in the open place, he walks straight into one, one little pole or something that's sticking out in the ground. He says, you, must, you are totally blind. His eyes are wide open, he can see. But now he was in some other world at that time, whatever he was, Allah knows best whether he was in this dunya or in another dunya. But he was walking in such a way that right in the middle of a wide space, he walked straight into this light pole or whatever. He says, you probably are totally blind, but he can see. So he's calling him blind because he's just as good as a blind person in terms of what he just did. Not that he doesn't have sight. So likewise, this person, despite his iman is there, but it is so low, it is gone. Like that person, but he's walking whole, you call it. So like Nabi Islam is expressing it, reflect now. What does which this comes to is that if one has, whatever he says in his, what I would desire. When he started, I was in his desire for myself. Now, he takes off. There's no law.
is a good thing, desiring the same now, brother. My quietly wish ails. Now, married, for example, in his shoes, what I would have wished? Everything must go very well, be happiness, there must be peace, there must be soup. And all the good things that I aspired for, that must Am I wishing the same for my fellow Muslim now in his condition? So this is actually root and root. Take down from deep. There should be no any Muslim. And the individual referred that just a kind of this should give me. I wish that others me well. They must not humiliate. They must not disgrace me in any way. They must affect. They must, if I make a mistake, they must now cover up for me maybe. Teach me what is the right thing in a suitable way, in a dignified manner. Not run me down. All these things I'll wish for myself. Am I wishing the same for my fellow Muslims? I am hoping that nobody makes ghibat of me. Nobody slanders me. Nobody picks out on, on my faults. Am I wishing the same for my fellow Muslim brothers? Nabi Islam says, if this is not my condition, then Nabi Islam is explaining this in this very strong manner. That a person who doesn't have this in his heart, then la yu'min. He's not a believer. So, this is the second aspect to acquire in order to gain this halawat of iman, the sweetness of iman. That his heart is totally clean and he has his love for everybody for the sake of Allah Ta'ala alone. If there is an issue with somebody, he will deal with it in a dignified way. If there is something that he is going to be upset about, it's going to be because this is against the command of Allah Ta'ala. He is going to detest that sin and never the sinner. He is going to love the servant of Allah Ta'ala, he will detest his wrong action. So this is the second aspect that Nabi Islam says, And the third thing Nabi Islam says, That a person hates that he go into kufr, just as he hates being thrown into, into the fire. If a person is told you're going to be thrown into this fire that has been lit, what will he do to save himself? He'll do anything and everything that possible to save himself from being thrown in a fire. He detests this to the highest degree. Likewise, he detests kufr. And going into disbelief, like he detests going into fire. And then, one is kufr, Things that fall under kufr. Under kufr are all the sins that lead towards this kufr as well. So these are all the branches of kufr. So just as he hates kufr, obviously that intensity will be far greater there, but he also hates sin. He detests sin. He's insan, he's human, he can sometimes slip and fall, but there's a hatred in his heart for that sin. He is not prepared to go near that sin, but in a moment of human weakness he can fall. That is why Allah Ta'ala left the door of Tawbah open. That he must sincerely repent, come back to Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala's Rahmat is there to receive him. Allah Ta'ala's Rahmat is there to take him in. But he must not sin on the hope of making Tawbah later. Because Allah forbid when this becomes the ongoing thing that a person is sinning, I'll make Tawbah later. Then the fear is that Allah Ta'ala then takes away the tawfiq of Tawbah. Allah Ta'ala becomes a barrier between a person and his heart, meaning 
that the thought of Toba also leaves him there. And he just goes on wantonly sinning until finally suddenly Malakul Moth has come and he's always procrastinating it later, later. No thought ever comes to his heart that let's do it now. But that later becomes too late and life has gone. So what this requires is, this requires that a person bring himself into those environments that bring him closer to Amal. That take him away from these evil actions, that take him away from sins, brings him closer to Allah Taala, brings him closer to those things, that brings him closer to the love of Allah Taala. This will bring that halawat of Iman. Where this Hadith Sharif commenced, the sweetness of Iman. Now the sweetness of Iman as we started off, is something that is deep down in the heart. This is something which is a physical experience, which is a reality. A person who has acquired this halawat of Iman, he doesn't have that need to keep finding things to entertain himself. A person who is still lacking this halawat of Iman, he is forever looking for something to entertain himself. He hasn't even come back from one holiday, he's already planning the next, because it will be coming back to he doesn't know what. He needs something to keep him on a high, artificially all the time looking for something to keep him on a high. Something or the other. He is looking for this entertainment and that entertainment, and sometimes the older he is becoming, he still hasn't forgotten his childhood. Sometimes a person is now already a grandfather, he is also still playing games on his phone. And what not is, he is just looking for this entertainment to keep himself somehow excited in some way to try and fulfill that void within him. Because his heart has a need. It's craving something. What it is craving actually is the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. That is its nourishment. That is its food. Now, the petrol tank has its own nourishment. Let us give it a term. Its nourishment is that fuel. And that radiator has its own nourishment. That's the water. And that oil sump has its own nourishment, which is the oil. All are liquid. That fuel is liquid, water is liquid, that oil is liquid also. Person says, what difference it makes? Put the oil in the fuel tank, put the fuel in the radiator, put the water in the oil sump. Mashallah, how well the car will work and how fast it will move. It will go nowhere because he has to put that fuel in the tank. He has to put the water where the water should go. He has to put that oil where the oil should go. So likewise, the best of food it can tingle the tongue. It will make, the tongue has its own enjoyment. The best of food and most delicious food will give the tongue its enjoyment. But how, how long is the tongue? The tongue is just very short. Once it rolls past the tongue, that enjoyment is over. So Allah Ta'ala hasn't forbidden him that. Allah Ta'ala has given him the permission to enjoy the halal ni'mads. But that is as far as the length of the tongue. The Nourishment of the eyes is to look at such things which will please the eyes. So Allah Ta'ala has given him permission to look at whatever Allah Ta'ala has made halal. Stay away from the haram. Look at the scenery that Allah Ta'ala has created. Look at the heavens and earth. And marvel at this creation of Allah Ta'ala. أَفَلَمْ يَنْظُرُوا إِلَى مَا خَلَقَ اللَّهُ مِنْ سَمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ The various ayat of the Quran Sharif. Allah Ta'ala calls out to our attention. Look at the creation of the heavens and earth. Marvel at this. Look at that flower. How Allah Ta'ala created it. Look at the colors on it. Look at that ocean in front. Look at how those waves are rolling. Look at that mass of water. And get that recognition of Allah Ta'ala through this. But that's the nourishment of the eye. 
the ear has its own nourishment, but the heart is also craving its nourishment. The nourishment of the heart is Allah bi dhikrillahi tatma'innul qulub. That with the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala do the hearts get peace. The remembrance of Allah Ta'ala is a very comprehensive concept which includes this muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. To the extent that this muhabbat is deep down in the heart, the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala is in the heart, he doesn't require this artificial entertainment because he has that happiness from within. All this entertainment is to make a person happy. So he's paying for it and he's paying double for it to just try and keep himself happy. But happiness is from within. From outside is just artificial. A person can artificial rose, he'll look at it and he'll praise it and it'll look better than the real thing. But for how long? After three minutes, five minutes, we had enough of this now, we saw it. It is too much now. After one time, you'll see the second time, third time, you don't want to look at it again. Because artificial, that artificial fruit, it looks better than the real thing. But for how long is he going to look at it? He'll praise it. When the time comes to eat, he can't eat it. He's not going to give him anything. Then he needs the real fruit. So likewise, all these artificial things, it's just that momentary fuzz. But then how long? Then he has to get back to life. But if it's not within him, he's going to once again be miserable. He'll be worse off than before. The issue is to acquire it inside. And inside, this nourishment is the remembrance of Allah Taala and the muhabbat of Allah Taala. So this is what is to be acquired. This makes life in dunya despite all the challenges of dunya. Dunya is dunya. Dunya is not a place that is jannat. Dunya has its challenges. There's illnesses, there's health also, there's uh, wealth, there's sometimes financial challenges, there's sometimes some wedding, there's a funeral, there's everything carries on in dunya. There's happiness, there's grief. But despite all the challenges, if inside his heart is content and connected to Allah Ta'ala, then in this dunya, he will be living a life that is an example of Jannat within himself. Whatever happens outside will carry on dunya is dunya. But his heart will be at peace with Allah Ta'ala. So these are the things to acquire, and this comes by keeping ourselves in the environments of deen, in the environments of the Ahlullah, in the environments of the path of Allah Ta'ala, making an effort on our Iman, and helping others also on the same line. Allah Ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.